0: Hi, welcome to today's show. Today I have a treat for you. I've been looking forward to this. I have the lovely Mia Northrop here. Welcome, Mia. Hello, Alpha. And today we're going to be talking about the concept of life admin and the various sort of the, I guess, the heavy-feated way that a lot of us sort of trudge through life. And there's just so much. And our modern world has just exponentially exploded that. And if you're a business owner, that gets amplified even more. Uh, And Mia has managed to pull together uh, a tremendous book, which I'm in the middle of reading at the moment, and uh, we'll talk about the journey that she and her partner have gone through in terms of how to help other women, um, specifically mums, navigate that and how their backgrounds have helped them do that. So Mia, again, welcome, and do you want to give us a little bit of a history of your journey, um, where you were and how you've come to get to where you are now, <laughs> and yeah. um, how you put that tremendous book together because there's so much in it.
1: Yeah, sure. So this was very much a necessity is the mother of invention story. So I wrote the book with my longtime friend Dinah. We went to high school together. We both went to uni together. We travelled Had exciting jobs, got married, had kids, went away for a girls' weekend. And, you know, it's Friday night, the cheese has come out, the wine has come out, we're talking. And then we start venting and then we start ranting about life admin, about how we were just drowning in it. And we're like, you like all the forms that keep coming from school? Like, how do you keep on top of all the forms? And then we were talking about insurance policies and mobile phone plans and how we kept on getting those letters saying your plan is about to expire. And we're like, we know we're supposed to shop around, and find a better deal, but how do you do it? Who's got the time? So we're talking about all these different dimensions of Life Admin and we're like, why hasn't someone solved this? Surely is there an app that we should be getting that we don't know about that's going to fix all this or (laughs) is there like a process to understand how You know, what does it say on the back of your electricity bill? What is that gobbledygook in that table? And we had a little look and there was nothing. And I woke up the next morning and I thought, there's something in this. Like, there is this is a massive problem. We've all just sat here and had a good whinge about it. And we knew that every mum out there was juggling, you know, the juggling work, the juggling life admin, the juggling parenting. It's a lot. And it was really stressing us out. It was the kind of thing that was keeping us up at night. It was the kind of thing that was causing friction in our households as well because either things were feeling chaotic or things were feeling unfair because we were doing the bulk of the life admin. So, you know, Dinah and I ended up having lunch a few weeks later. And I said, that I, I haven't stopped thinking about it. And she's like, either have I. And she's got a background in operations. She was a she was an accountant, uh, and then she went into sort of operations. I worked in user experience design in tech. So both of our roles were really around streamlining processes and coming up with the right tools and apps to get stuff done in a sort of elegant way. And we thought, like, we've got the, we can solve this problem. This is just a problem space. We well, you know how to get into problem spaces and work out the tasks and work out the tools uh, that make people. Confident and be able to approach this efficiently. So we're like, all right, let's, where do we begin? Where do we begin? We did a whole ton of research. So we went down this fabulous rabbit hole of reading about habit formation and productivity and time management. And we, we wanted to come up with sort of some principles or pillars that were going to help like sort of pin the whole thing around. It's like, if you can nail these things, then life admin is going to get smoother. And one of the books I read was called Better Than Before by Gretchen Rubin. I love her. She's re- she wrote a book called The Happiness Project. She's written a book about the four tendencies and how people respond to expectations. I highly recommend all of the books she's she's written. And she talked about you know if you nail these particular things in terms of your habits, then they are the pillars. And I was like, okay, we need to find the equivalents for life admin, and that's where we came upon you know the, the digital tools that actually once you've got those digital tools set up, like a digital digital calendar, a password manager, a to-do list, you know, some cloud storage like Google Drive where you can file things away, things like this, then that actually makes all of your other life admin easier. And then we did a massive survey. We surveyed uh, several hundred people just to sort of talk about, you know, how do you define life admin? What is it? Is it the forms you fill out at school is it researching a holiday is it um looking at your superannuation doing your tax looking at your home loan <laughs> interest rate and uh, to see what people thought it was and what it wasn't and that gave us sort of, I guess the boundaries for us to go, okay, well, these are the topics that people consider life admin. These are the major pain points they have. This is the things that's really driving people bananas. Let's focus here. And then, and then, yeah, we dove into each of those topics like tax, like wills and powers of attorney, like, you know, meal planning. And we researched the hell out of each of those uh and started our podcast to start sharing this and keeping ourselves accountable to the project and, you know, being responsible to an audience. And then, yeah, we based the book around that same flow. So that, that, in a nutshell, is how this whole thing came about. We were essentially trying to save ourselves mm-hmm. and also the mission very quickly became helping out others and especially working mums because the pain points are real, the challenges are real and it takes up way too much time and headspace. It causes way too much stress when we all know we'd rather be doing other things.
0: Oh yes, well even um, even on the weekend or it's it's I've been deliberating about it a lot. I mean I'm and I'm one of those people who I research things and I have spreadsheets and I have lists and so when I was reading a book I was like oh this is fantastic. I'm um, still getting ideas from it as well. But I was like, oh yeah, yeah, yep. Yeah. I started doing that. The one thing that I still struggle with is meal planning. Mm. Um, I just I, I'm like I get I get bored eating the same thing. Like if I could eat the same thing every day, that would be fine. But I get bored really easily with lots of things. <laughs> so I'm like, oh my God, this is a headache. And even then I've got, I'm vegetarian, borderline vegan. Um, my husband is not, he's a very traditional eater. And my daughter is an eight-year-old semi-fussy eater. She's all right, but she's but she has like, I make tomato soup from scratch and she eats that pretty much every night. And I was like, do you want something else? So in a way it's easy, but yeah. I'm still making three different things every night. Or no. I'm saying to my husband, you cook, you cook your thing I'm going to do my thing and I'll take care of our daughter. So, but but yeah, I still haven't quite got my head around the meal planning. It's just,
1: yeah, uh, well, stay tuned because we are about to do a podcast episode on meal planning when everyone's got different dietary requirements or preferences, because that is a very common challenge. But I was the same. I was really reluctant to come to meal planning. I kind of, I don't know, it just seemed over the top. It seemed a bit daggy. I just I really resisted it. Yeah. But I was also at the same time, I'd get to 4 30 or 5 o'clock every night and I'd have no idea what's for dinner and it would yep. stress me out. Yeah. So luckily my kids, well, two things, they are quite happy to eat without a lot of a huge amount of variety, and of so am I. Like if I if I go out, then I'll eat with a huge amount of variety. But we we I co-parent with my kids' dad. He's a fabulous cook. He cooks them all sorts of interesting stuff. Oh. We literally eat the same thing every Monday, every Tuesday, every Wednesday, <laughs> and it actually took my my kids a really long time to notice, like yeah. I'm talking months. Okay. And Louie's like, didn't we have pasta like like the other Wednesday? And I'm like, dude, we've been having pasta on Wednesday for months. <laughs> so you know if if there's ways of introducing variety. They have more variety in their lunch boxes, frankly, than they do for dinner. Yeah. But in terms of saving money, meal planning oh, yeah. reduces a lot of food waste, so it is yep. incredibly helpful for that and also for peace of mind and also for sharing the cooking in your household. If people actually know what's in the fridge and they are cooking to a list or a plan, mm. then it's a lot easier to share the cooking too.
0: Yeah, yeah, we've um I've got a, a garden and I'm I'm one of those people if I'm gonna put the effort into it, I gotta get something out of it. So it's all pretty much all edible. Because <laughs> like there's a couple of flowers my daughter one day was just like, Mama, why, why we don't need colour in the garden? I was like, Yes, we have plenty of green. green. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, there's yeah, it's pretty much just all various shades of green. And um, uh, because I do I love salads, so there's like four different types of lettuce and two different types of kale and anyway. And so I was like, Oh, we'll plant some flowers. I was like, Well, you could get some of the edible flowers. <laughs> So I was like, no, no, let's just do pretty color. So we have a couple of like boxes of flowers. <laughs> but then comes that whole, oh, we'll see what's in the garden like on, on the weekend. We're like, oh my gosh, we've got some of uh, um um sorry, this is really terrible. The English word often escapes me, peas um in the garden. Yeah. And I was like, oh, we have pe- let's make something with peas. We've got pea pods now, but then we all just started eating them raw and then that mm-hmm. was that would have just gone. But yeah, meal planning, I I think doing the day day of the week. For me, though, I have I have to always have this, like, a nutritional balance that goes with it. So I've always yes. got to have lots of protein, which, yeah. you know, plant-based protein can sometimes be a little bit challenging to balance. Yeah. But anyway, but, yeah, but I, I need to get in. So I'm going to focus on the meal planning um, chapter in your book.
1: Yeah, and we've been tinkering with AI and meal planning. So some of our recent, or one of our recent podcast episodes, we talk about AI and what is useful there is that you can give it prompts related to the nutritional <laughs> macros that you want to hit.
0: I'm so gonna you, write that down.
1: if you say, I want, give me, you know, seven nights of dinners with plant-based protein, I want, you know, 30% protein or whatever you're trying to do, um, it'll spit out some suggestions for you and it'll link to recipes for you if you want it to.
0: So yeah, you can well say,
1: you know, give me the recipes and on the link. It's yeah.
0: Yeah. Check that that <laughs> is a really good idea. I don't I think of it for my business, but I don't think of it for my personal life. Um, so when you were doing the survey, what was the what was what came out like for me, it's meal planning um, yeah. because like a lot of the financial stuff and all of that. I um, you know, i've I've to be honest, I've actually trained myself also because I work with clients in that space too, to do a lot of that that sort of area. So I'm relatively okay there. But when you found when you did your research, what did you find was the biggest resistance point or the biggest issue that a lot of um your respondents yeah. had?
1: Some of the biggest pain points were around decluttering. Mm-hmm. just drowning in stuff, whether it was paper clutter, just years of paperwork that had piled up, yeah. but also clothes, often people with kids and the kids have grown out of clothes and they don't have like a rhythm of moving the old clothes out of the house or toys or books, just stuff. So yeah. that was that was a little surprising to me. Uh, I guess this was also just around Marie Kondo um, and her publishing of her books and everyone thinking about their space in a different way. Yeah. So decluttering is, is still huge. We just did another survey that's still come up as a thing. Mm. Um, just the kids' logistics, dealing yeah. with their extracurricular stuff, school stuff, whether it's the comms, whether it's scheduling and shuffling them around different activities and sharing the load with that mm. and having sort of a checklist to help you get out the door with everything you need for cricket practice mm. or swim school or you know whatever it is mm. so having some systems around that and also enabling the kids to do a whole lot more basically yeah. helping out more yeah uh there were also things around um just the comparison shopping often of of energy bills things like electricity and gas because they are the things that people have noticed had gone up a lot over time and They, you know, the letters are so explicit about saying your thing is about to expire. You need to choose a new thing. And people just thinking, I don't have time. I'm confused, but I also know I'm hemorrhaging money on this. So they're finding that really stressful. The mental load overall is probably the biggest single thing that people talk about. The fact that, you know, there's this monkey mind, this constant brain chatter of all the things that they feel like they should be doing not feeling like they have any downtime or when they do have downtime, they're not really present Mm. or they feel guilty and really wanting to share the load with their partner better because they were feeling, starting to feel resentful and sort of overburdened. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, They were the top things.
0: Yeah. So yeah, because you mentioned a couple of times there about sort of the, the relationship impact. Yeah. That's I mean, I know a lot with money, there's how do you how do you have those conversations about um on the financial side, but even on the like doing the stuff side. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. As, as women, we also struggle with the stereotype that we're naggers. Um and if we ask a man to do something, we're nagging. If he asks us to do something, it's a question. And you're like, okay, how do we suddenly become the naggers and you just became the question askers? <laughs> yeah and And
1: also you know surprisingly a lot of all in hetero relationships often a lot of women are kind of like their partner's personal assistants Mm. like they are the ones they'll say oh can you pick this up for me or can you make this appointment for me or can you you know that might be recently (laughs) i got invited to a 50th group of guy and he's like rsvp to his his partner and i was like Okay. You're the one sending you the invitation out. It's your thing. Like, why? It's just nice. I'm like, great. It's wonderful. I'm sure they yeah. talked about it. But at the same time, I'm like, she's a personal assisted. Yeah. So, yeah, there can be these interesting roles that people take on. Some of it sort of fueled by societal gender norms, sometimes by sort of who's more capable at different types of things in the household. Yeah, um, but it's definitely something that you don't want taken for granted, and that it needs. Yeah, it needs to be a discussion, and it's a sensitive one, like with things to do with money, having to understand you know where someone else is coming from, and and trying to solve it as a as an external problem to be solved rather than pointing fingers and blaming and doing the you should yeah. you never
0: kind of game. It's yeah, see, not- yeah. anytime you use the word you, instantly I was like, oh. Yeah it's a little bit like red flag to a ball but yeah and it's and it's having that but I think draw, calling it out like you said before with mm. like Marie Kondo she called out the concept of clutter and it's okay. you know it's okay to look around your space and you can't it's it's strange to think that we would need almost permission to declutter or yeah. per, not even permission but awareness that you know you're not your partner's personal assistant but sometimes it is necessary because you're just like Wait a minute why am i doing this all the time why is this always yeah. on me why can't you know like and yeah. but then but then you can't come at it from a perspective you're like all right let that that emotion kind of pass and then come at it from there let's talk about how we can both do this together for our family you know, yeah and it. share this so that you know i don't feel like your mom or personal assistant or both that's and it. You can you can be a fully fledged grown up.
1: Yeah, the life admin is quite invisible. Like we talk a
0: lot, we think about sort of you know we talk about
1: domestic labour. Mm. People talk about housework, so cooking, yeah. cleaning, laundry. I talk mm-hmm. about childcare and who's looking after the kids. But life admin is kind of this third piece of the domestic labour puzzle that people haven't really talked about. They're like, well, mm-hmm. you know, when the bills come. Who is paying them? And when you notice that the gutter is leaking, who is organizing someone to fix that? And when you realize that so-and-so needs to be dropped off at 8 a.m. on Friday and then get over there at 10 a.m., who is organizing those logistics? Because that's not housework and it's not childcare. But someone still has to, you know, plan for it, think about it, anticipate it, and act on it. And that's Absolutely. where the, the mental load and life admin comes in. And the mental load really is more about life admin mm. than housework or or childcare a lot of the time.
0: Yeah, and that's where some of the tools in your book and the the downloads that come with it are really handy too because if we keep it up here... It just gets bigger and bigger and grows and grows, and almost the idea of it is worse sometimes than the reality. So as soon as yeah. you start to get it out of your head and onto a page or onto a chart or into an online calendar or schedule, some way to categorize it and put it down, the mental load diminishes. Something else will come in, but then you can then you start to learn the principles of how to manage it, and you're like, "Is it on the calendar? It's not on the calendar." And like mm. my, my daughter and I went to Adelaide <laughs> recently and my husband kept on asking me, you know, when we were going and when we were coming back. because it like, it's on the calendar. It's right there in the kitchen. It's on the calendar. Yeah. So it can't and be that. And I put stuff in his phone now. So I'll actually do meeting invites and send him invites to stuff so we can't say, oh, I didn't know.
1: Yeah. And that's really a great example of, like, adding to someone's mental load, Where you're supposed to be there. You're the calendar for them. It's like, don't give me that job. There's yeah. enough going around in my mind without having to be responsible and tell, answer yeah. your questions and remind you of things. like. Yeah. We have the tools. But you raise a really good point, Alpha, about people not really having like a mental model of what life admin is. Like what are the categories? What are the boundaries? Like what's in, what's out? Mm. And that's one of the first things we set out in the book. We literally made a diagram that says, all right, well, these are the big four buckets. There's, yeah. there's your sort of personal affairs, which is mm. things like your wills and your tax and your super and, you know, all your health records. There's the stuff that goes on in your household, which is the meal planning, the decluttering, you know, the stuff to do with the kids. Then there's all of this comparison shopping stuff that you need to do, which is all those service providers and plans and premiums and policies. And then there's actually the fun stuff like your social life or if you celebrate things like Christmas or the wild. People have to organise those things. People have to organise trips away. They all yeah. have to organise buying gifts. Now, there's this whole sort of social fun thing that's also a factor of life admin. So yeah. when you can start think about it, things in those four buckets, you can go, okay, all right, this is – and actually, we, and we also sort of found alignment with those four buckets in terms of their payoff. So often with the personal affairs stuff like tax and wills and and dealing with super, a lot of that, if you get that nailed, then yeah. you have kind to of have really – good peace of mind because they're things you procrastinate about, yeah. kind of worry about. And there might be a financial payoff too. Obviously all the comparison shopping stuff is all about saving money. So if money is a concern, like that's where you would start, start shopping around, getting better deals, and you're going to save money and feel better about that. Um, and then some of it is really around, yeah that household friction and harmony. So the things around streamlining your house and just getting that rhythm humming are really going to ease yeah. Ease each day, ease the week and make you feel like you've got a lot more ease in your life.
0: Yeah, and and you touched on that as well. There's some things like your wills and your powers of attorney and even your super to a certain extent, they're relatively set and forget. Like you you just have to put in the effort and then they're done and you can park it and go, okay, mental, unless there's, you know, like you also point out in the book, changes, like if there's a separation or there are certain things mm. that trigger that you have to look at them again. But for the most part, the effort you put in sits there and it just keeps going and you don't have to worry about it. That repetitive stuff. That's the. It's even like the cleaning. Like I, we had a um, we had a cordless vacuum, and it was great until it wasn't because the battery and all of that kind of stuff. So then I was next vacuum cleaner. Like, oh, we'll go back to the barrel one. Well, it sits in the cupboard for about a month until like Saturday. I'm like, I'm so sick of the floors, and I spend two hours cleaning the house when it would normally take me like half an hour if I did it in bits. So on the weekend, I made the decision. I'm going to go back and get another cordless vacuum slightly better model it's newer now so I'm sure they'll be better this battery to last longer because damn it I'm so sick of having to, that the, the mental load of yeah. oh, I've got to go get the vacuum cleaner out and the extension cord and because as we've got quite a long house so I've got to like plug it in three different times not that I mean it's like first of all problems really but so i have just like you know what and it already feels so much better I haven't got the vacuum yeah. yet because I only just ordered it on the weekend, but I was like, oh, this is going to, this This is already making me feel so much better.
1: Yeah, and that's a great point because it's about setting up your environment to support the stuff that you have to do. And yeah. it's something that we often do really well in our work lives. Like we make sure we have the right tools that our desk is set up how mm-hmm. we like it to, you know, either promote positive behaviours or just support the tasks we have to do. Yeah. And at home, you know, that vacuum cleaner is a perfect example uh, if you don't have the things you need to just do stuff efficiently and yes. just remove the obstacles so that you actually do it. yeah it's a big deal. yeah, there's lots of things sort of tolerations we might have that we're kind of putting up with yeah. that if you sort of step back and notice them and go, God, if I just had an extra phone charger, just mm-hmm. here then that issue we have with the phone always being dead or everyone fighting over the charges would just go away. Let's not spend $8 to get another phone charger. So little things like that, especially with life admin, which is why we talked about having the right tools, like having a password manager, just having a shared calendar so all Mm -hmm. your family can have a single source of truth of what's happening. That removes a whole bunch of those obstacles that make it hard to do it. Um, or you know, su- suggest that things don't get done at all because it's just too hard.
0: Yeah, one of the things I I tend to struggle with is the amount of ways we can be communicated with. Uh, I have, I've got so many WhatsApp groups that I'm in, including a school one. Actually, it's two school ones, um, and even for business, there's ones. And then there's Facebook Messenger and Instagram Messenger, and I've got other tools as well. And it just it gets a little overwhelming. Um, how do you suggest? like managing that side of it.
1: Yeah. I am with you with the overwhelm of that. <laughs> Someone from my daughter started at a new school last year and they use they started to use um oh now I'm totally blanked on what it's called. Let me if we can have a look at it. A whole other app. I'm like, what the oh, hell we- is this? Well they're yeah. using Telegram. Like, Why oh. are we using this? Oh, can't we just use one oh, of I'm the God, existing God, use- other to 17 you. tools that we have? Anyway, so I hear you. Um I guess there's a few things. On the life admin front, we do suggest that you have a separate life admin email address so -hmm. that you can point all of the comms from schools, extracurricular activity organisations, the electricity company, the water company, all the government, everyone can just send all their comms to one email address that is out of your personal email address. And especially if you're in a a relationship in a couple, then that sort of puts it into neutral territory and you can talk about who is actioning what on that email address instead of it just being in your personal stuff. And therefore it's likely that you are going to end up doing it. Yes. In terms of all the other comms tools, I, you know, I, I'm a big encourager of just calling out it's time to archive something. And just, I'll just leave in groups when it's done, it's done. Often yeah. there'll be like WhatsApp groups created for someone's birthday party just to, you know, coordinate the comms. And it's like, as soon as that party's done, I'm out of there.
0: Yeah, yeah Late yeah.
1: goodbye, archive, yeah. and I, I, uh, I hope people realise that that's just a, it's just a maintenance issue. It's not a personal
0: issue. No. Well, I, I actually turned off notifications on Telegram because uh, some of the groups I was in was just getting too much. And then a friend tried to contact me, and I wasn't getting back to her, so she just texted me. I was like, "See, uh, yeah, if you need to get me, you'll get me."
1: <laughs> yeah, I think that's a great call um, sequestering them all into a certain folder on a, whatever screen, you know, not necessarily a first screen. I don't have notifications turned on for anything. I don't have badges on for my email or my text, so I can freak out to see if there's 89 messages. Like it's just stressful at certain times of the day that I go in and I scan that stuff. Yeah.
0: Um, because yeah, you can't did. switch off like we went yeah. overseas for a month and I thought I'd turned all the various like pop-ups and things off on my phone and I actually even decommissioned one of my email addresses and but I still got notifications and we were staying at my father-in-law's who never used to have wi-fi which mm. I actually really liked because like I am not contactable I am not turning on international roaming but he had wi-fi now so I was still getting stuff which was a little bit okay because I thought I'm slightly less overwhelmed when I come yeah. back after four weeks but it was just it was just funny the the attempt to try and reduce yeah. that constantly onness.
1: Yeah, the distraction is is not helpful. And I I really, I find it's curious how some people respond to technology, and they sort of feel obligated, and especially in the different generations. So, like my mum, obviously, you know, she's in her seventies. She just most of her adult life there was a landline. These are such new. This is such new technology. And yet she has all her notifications happening. Her phone is pinging and dinging the whole time. And she will look at it and respond to it every time. And I'm like, you don't have to pick up, you know? Yeah. You yeah. Remember when you used to be at home and the phone would ring and you weren't there and, you know, didn't matter? Like, you don't have to respond. to <laughs> <laughs> no. Do I want to the- see you? Not in the middle of a uh, dinner conversation or whatever. But yeah. she just doesn't have that relationship with it.
0: No. yeah, I remember being at a a cafe once and I was sitting there and I deliberately left my phone in the car because I was like, oh, I just want to sit here. I was just on my own. I thought, oh, I'm just going to enjoy a few moments of peace. It was around a, a bookshop. And there were these four sort of older women who looked like they were in their 60s heading towards 70s. They all had their phones face side up next to them on the table. And, you know, somebody would get up to do something and they check their phones. I was like,
1: serious? I was like, you didn't yeah. even grow up with this. Yeah, no, it's really interesting. I <laughs> know how there's that's too happened. too much re- research to say how, you know, what a negative pull. Like, just having a phone on the table, whether it's face up or on or whatever, mm. just actually changes the dynamic of how people yeah. interact and relate. So, yeah, I guess having worked in technology for most of my career, I am hyper aware of how much, the design of technology and software is made to sort of interrupt and distract and try and get your attention the whole time. So I feel really vigilant about you know, putting it away. Yeah. For both myself and the kids, there's too much research about the, the negative connotations, of the negative consequences, I should say. Yeah. Amazing devices, totally useful, couldn't live without them, but, yeah, definitely need some boundaries in place to, to make yeah. them work for you, not against you.
0: Yeah, well, and it's also yeah that that what we're showing our children too. I remember my daughter; I can't remember. She was little, like three or four, and at one point she's just like, "Mama, can you put your phone away?" And I was like, "Oh my god!" I was like, "I'm getting called out on this by you know a little kid." So I, I'll often have my phone somewhere else in the house, and of course, at her age now, already at eight, some of her friends are starting to get phones, and they or they use their parents' phones to message their friends. And I was just, oh, my gosh, my daughter hasn't asked for anything like that yet, although she did say to me, oh, Mama, what age can I be when I get a phone? I was like, oh, 18. I was like, but <laughs> obviously Why that's not realistic. Know,
1: yeah. yeah, I think, you know, our phones are such powerful little devices and that's one of the things that we actually enjoyed when we were running the book is saying, look, you've got these powerful devices in your pocket. Use them for good. Let them do the heavy lifting on some of this life admin stuff that Mm. is tedious or boring or repetitive because they're, you know, there's amazing apps that are really powerful. Yeah. But at the same time, yeah, knowing which apps you might want to be removing or making access to a little harder, putting some boundaries around it, also very healthy for our tech use.
0: Yeah, yeah. And we don't always need to know. Like I I I have clients who are constantly checking things like their bank accounts or their superannuation balances or whatever and it makes them nuts. It's like with anything. I was like, don't you don't need to look at it daily. Just because you can doesn't mean you should. Mm. Let's just, you know, make a decision, park it, and then you could look at it again in six months or just look at it once a year, but definitely not every month. Yeah. Depends on what it is, of course. But yes, otherwise it can just make you crazy.
1: Yeah, especially the last few years. It's not not time, it's not a pretty story. Very I think that's enough. That's a that's an interesting thing to to flesh out there is that idea with some of these tasks, people weren't sure about how often they should be doing them. Like how often should I be looking at my superannuation fund and deciding whether these investment options are the right ones for me? You know, how often should I be looking at my credit card and deciding if there's a better fit for me out there? Is this interest rate appropriate? Are there other features and things out there? So one of the things that we did put some time into is researching, you know, what are the triggers for reviewing this stuff? Is yeah. if you're trying to review everything all the time, it becomes really overwhelming and you're likely to not do any of it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, my triggers are usually because I pay my um, insurances annually. So when I get the, they they give you like six weeks notice when it's about to renew. So I was like, okay, this is the opportunity for me now to go have a look around. That's and so what cool. I often do is I'll actually call, like I'll do a little bit of research because there's a lot of comparison websites out there, yeah. um, but I'll actually call my insurance company and then just negotiate. Uh, yeah. And it's, where we're, we're kind of taught that the suppliers are like hallowed somehow. And I was like, yeah, no, but we're the customer. Without us, they don't exist. And if we don't ask for a better deal, and this is where I think the younger generation are getting a little bit better at this. Our generation is still, we're still a little bit like, oh, you know, we. I mean, I, I grew up in the days and you probably as well where you had one provider for energy. Oh, yeah. You didn't get to choose. Yeah, it was the State
1: Electricity Commission. That, that was it. Was one. You got one bill. There was yeah, one plan. Still,
0: now we have to choose, like, going into the milk aisle and going, holy moly, there's even now yeah. in the plant-based milks, there's, like, 10 different choices. So to be honest, I make my own because I'm just like, I don't even want to try and figure it out. I'll just make it that's Um, it
1: i mean these markets have all been privatized and mm -hmm. the way they're supposed to work is based on competition Mm -hmm. and they're relying on the consumer to switch to actually move between competitors to keep them competitive so if you don't switch you know it's not going to work um so yes they are fully expecting you to ring up every year and have a chat see what can you do for me i noticed that XYZ provider is doing this. Can you match it? Or I'm going to switch or whatever it is. Yeah, Yeah. having Getting comfortable having that conversation is very much part of adulting. Um, There are a sweep of scripts in the book to help people get there. But I think knowing that there are literally call centres with people waiting for your call to have that conversation, they're equipped for it. They're expecting it. So
0: you don't
1: have to feel sheepish about contacting them.
0: They don't even have to talk to their manager. They've already been authorised. That's it, and and half
1: the time you can do it online. Like you just, as you said, there are comparison sites out there. You can have a look at a few alternatives, decide which one's better for you, and just switch. But you know, the the the, the minimum thing is to call your current provider and just go, "What can you do for me? What are we looking at?"
0: Yeah, Yeah, that's it. Oh, this is so. This is oh my goodness, so nice to have that all in one place. So how do how do you how do people find out more about what you do? How can they delve into this beyond the book? So the book is called Life ha- Life Admin Life, Hacks.
1: Life Admin Life Hacks is Life the book. Hacks, yeah. and- uh, we also have an online course called The Art of Adulting. So that's a program where you come and we work through online lessons. We have a weekly QA session and a Facebook group. So you can work through some of these topics set up this infrastructure set up these tools ask all your questions so that you get things set up perfectly for your situation um and come out the other end with just this sort of humming life admin these systems and processes that are sustainable and repeatable so we also have a so yeah jump onto lifeadminlifehacks.com to find the art of adulting course we also have our podcast life admin life hacks and, yeah, we cover all these kinds of topics and things like AI and we're going into climate resilience, things to do to cope with that, all the sort of contemporary things that spring from this sort of foundation of life admin stuff. So we talk about everyday life admin and then life event life admin, like a moving house or having a baby and all the other things we have to cope with as adults.
0: Yeah, I know sometimes adulting feels hard. I have to yeah, yeah. Even even when you're on top of it, sometimes you're like, oh my goodness, I just because I, I look at my daughter, and you know she just like has not a care in the world for the most part. Um, yeah. apart from you know she's got a musical production at school tomorrow, so she's a bit nervous about that. But apart from that, you're like, oh, I don't care if I leave that bowl there, and I'm like constantly like, can you bring your bowl back to the kitchen?
1: <laughs> yeah, we don't have a solution for that. Unfortunately,
0: <laughs> I just. Oh, the plates that are littered
1: around my house at any given time. Yep, super annoying. Yeah. I think that's, you know, we recognise recognise that. We just want to give people their time back and their headspace back so that you can have fun doing other things. You can just relax and that adulting is either, you know, doesn't feel so hard or life admins taking up a much smaller proportion of your time.
0: Yes. Yeah. Oh, brilliant. Thank you. And we'll put all the, the links of how to, to get to the Art of Adulting course and all the other links for, um, for Mia and Dina in there as well and yeah thank you so much it's been really helpful and I'm I'm hoping everyone listening got a lot out of that too and have some ideas and will lo- jump in at the very least and get the book because I'm I'm just at the the part of the chapters where you're going through all the comparison things mm. and um, I've started to get through that but it's oh, so many ideas and so many great things to do and tools to do it and like you tell people how to do things too which is really helpful oh
1: that's good you're about to save some serious money thank you so
0: much Alfred. it's been a pleasure Thank you, Maria. All right, enjoy the rest of your day, everyone.